That's all those things going yes. in my life used to say to me too. But when that motherfucker is silent, that means he's out the door. When you get quiet, there's something. There's, <laughs> yeah, you're saying shit. There's a problem. I don't know if you guys check check this out. I don't know if you guys watch him. He's on YouTube. He's nope. been doing his thing. Basically, he's the uh, <laughs> he's the more he's the more aggressive version of Keith Lee. His name is Mister Chime Time, right? Chime Time. He around, and he usually goes around. He does food reviews. And he came to Laurel not too long ago. He was in huh. Maryland wow. and went to really? Laurel. He went to bunch of yeah. He, bunch of different places right. and he's like if you if you check him out he's got a huge he's got a huge following okay but like i said he's very he's aggressive blunt, very when, blunt huh? yeah that's that's thank you. i think that's a better description he's what's funny well i won't say what's funny because it could have ended badly but he went to some location and was doing a, doing a food review okay and he was sitting down waiting for food and he says i typically don't do these reviews or wait for food in the restaurant where I'm going to critique, I usually just sit in my car, get the food, go in my car and eat the food. I guess some dude from another restaurant or a fan or something like that saw him, came inside the restaurant and confronted him about something. And then was like, bro, just took his drink and his fries and just threw, threw it on him. Old boy doesn't know that Mr. Chime Time is, uh, is two-way ready. So he reached for his waistband. He's like, oh, let me fall back. <laughs> he said, let me fall back. He's like, it was about to get messy. Old boy ran around the kitchen, left the restaurant, ran down the street and some more shit. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know necessarily what I would have done carrying, confronted by somebody who's like one of these ADOS folks that, get, that have been in our boxes for a while since since Professor Greer showed up on the show and was talking her talk. So what I would have done, I, my my hand might have itched on my big, on my waistband too. As, I'm not even going front. I'm not even going front. Who is consistently and constantly to in a, the crosshairs. Right, in the crosshairs. And, and in the crosshairs, right? Boy. I that's one of the things that the instructors that I've worked with have always talked to us about it. Differentiating between a moment where you need to show or pull right there's a distinction because some moments you just need to show that thing to kind of bring the energy down and there are other moments where you need to pull that thing but knowing when you pull that thing you're killing the energy not necessarily mm. killing the person that means you're killing the energy whatever was transpiring at that moment the moment that you pull that thing that energy goes away and, and it becomes over. something totally it becomes cold, but a it new energy in the room right cold, difference so yeah. you got to be able to tell the difference between the two of those man and i've seen a lot of videos on social media where people are in situations where they could have showed and the situation would have chilled but it's yeah, that yeah. they pulled and lies yeah. were taken. Yeah, and I think yeah, in some yeah, moments yeah, yeah. We, we're starting to do a little different. But again, God, man, the time, all these things, you're a celebrity and you go around offering your critique because that's what it started out. It started out him just going on social media, 
talking about, hey, I just had these ribs, man. I wanted to share with y'all how good these facts, ribs were. Facts. Yada, yada, yada. And it birthed into people coming in and offering him praise and asking questions about other places. Mm -hmm. And it turned into a business. Mm -hmm. Your business is going around critiquing predominantly black restaurants guy in town. Yeah, Rashad Mormon, also known as Mr. Chime Time, has been in Detroit for about a month now, reviewing all the local restaurants. He's handed out some pretty harsh criticism for mm -hmm. whether it's because he had to wait a long time oh. or the service Ooh. or the food itself, he says, maybe wasn't that good. Now Detroiters are weighing in online, debating over whether his reviews are fair or even damaging to local black-owned businesses. Predominantly black restaurants who are struggling, in most cases, to remain and keep their doors open. Anybody who's ever been in a restaurant management industry knows most restaurants have a two- to three-year lifespan. Yeah. Not to mention if you're black in a poor, predominantly black environment, you don't have two to three years. So you going on social media offering your perspective of a business that might be failing and not doing so well puts you in the crosshairs to... And I can imagine some of the comments that he's had to face from yeah, no, no, no. I, that I, people I, may no. have said things. I don't think I'm glad that he didn't pull it. I'm glad that he did not pull it in that instance. I yeah, also yeah, want yeah. him to get to a place where hopefully he's not only two A ready, but he's them two hands ready. Meaning that he knows how to always also do it with these things before he has to pull that thing. Because yeah, what we yeah, yeah, don't yeah. need is it's, I, mean, I, I gotta, cook, I gotta give it to him though. I gotta give it to him that you have, that you got that level of bravery to continue to do it too, because you know the type of heat that you're gonna get, the type of confrontations you're gonna get. And I gotta ask the question, because I mean, we talk about the black collective. I gotta ask the question: all right, all right. How often do you really think that these types of things are happening to white fruit critics? And they're doing the same, same thing. See, no, they're not doing the see, same thing. See, not doing see, the same see, thing. Dude, don't do see, that. See, you're telling see, no, me there's no, 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 there's no, 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 actually, no. Actually, actually, you know what? I mean, the thing is. Nope. You know, what I've realized, because, you know, my wife, uh, my, my in-laws, they actually uh, opened a restaurant early in our marriage uh, back back, back there right in Rockland County. Rockland County, New York, you know, yeah, upstate right. New York is, you know, it, it is what it is. It's not the city. Yeah. So um, different economic factors going on. there. Yeah. And a different um, demographic that you come into. But yes, I, I, re I realized immediately that I don't know if any other industry is more sensitive to social media than the food industry mm. um fair, fair, you know fair. um you know all it takes that's why i can see why this man may have ran up on this dude because these commentaries Oof. these aren't these aren't just in your local paper these aren't just a little blurb in millions in, of in, views in, no these are going to millions of people and potential customers who if they have the free time, we'll chime in and be like, oh, fuck mm. them too. Imagine that mm. times 1,000. Mm. Imagine mm. that times 10,000. I can see that. Yeah, see your, that. Blood, your, your blood pressure may that. go through the roof if you see this man's face again. Because he said one that. fucking thing about your restaurant. And now everyone hates it. I've never seen, like, my, my wife actually went through a little back and forth with, with one place that did not treat her well. And when she went, she didn't even say what happened she just made a mild comment about yeah i didn't really you know it wasn't that great for yeah. me and the manager decided to hop in her comment and says oh would you please provide proof of what happened to you yeah 
And I think word of mouth. This this turned into a whole thing that she had no control over. Because people are like, what are you asking this woman for proof about her bad service? No ministry is more And we only accept word of mouth when it's the negative. We don't accept the word of mouth when Mm. it comes to positive and building things up. And I think that's a conditioning that takes place within our community specifically. If I tell you that I had a bad experience at a black establishment, you're not going to come back and give me a second opportunity. But let you take your ass down to McDonald's and the fucking fries is cold. You're going to carry your big ass back there next Tuesday to get the same damn number two. We don't provide provide ourselves the opportunity for, again, to... And what we do is instead of going on, we go on social media, some of us. I'm not even saying all of us. We go on social media and say, oh, my God, I went down to so-and-so spot and it wasn't good. But we don't contact so-and-so to have the conversation to say, yo, listen, man, I'm trying to support. But damn it, you got to add some Lowry's to this joint next time. Now, now, now the thing thing is this. There's There's another perspective here. Now, because on the other hand, there have been there have been there have been establishments that have taken these commentaries and they took a beat. They yeah. say, you know, you say, you know what? All right, guys, hold on. I know we're all pissed. Let's remix, regroup, send out a personal invitation to the reviewer again. Come on through for a free meal and see what it is now. And see what it is. You know, and, and nine times out of ten, it works out real great. Now, granted, granted, this is at yeah. tremendous expense to the business. Yeah. But if they plan it outright, they time it, they can get their money back. Yeah. Now, granted, you probably gonna have to be real nice to the reviewer, not just a free meal. But are there but, are but there granted, white people who are doing the same thing? Oh. The thing like, no, I, I guarantee you, there is a white person that's going time on. And, we just don't, uh, see, we just don't see in our timeline because we're black. Okay, and that's the point. Okay. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, like, I don't follow a whole lot of white people, so I don't, I don't know what they're doing out there. The same thing happened with with another version in another industry where we where we wondered why. Why are we not seeing this marketing or this thing affect? Because the marketing is marketing today is more targeted and surgical than you think. You know what I'm saying? Like right, we can right, literally, right. we can literally, we can literally never see entire campaigns because we're yeah, black. the algorithm. That's because does we're, that's do a because, great that's job because we're black. That shit down the we we won't see yeah. all that white shit going on where they're flipping out on restaurateurs and whatnot. I'm sure the food but industry I bet you the white people ain't asking for more seasoning, though. I tell you that. The whole that. industry is sensitive. They ain't doing that. They ain't asking for they, more they, hot they, they, they're not, because they know that their food don't come with salt. So what are you talking about? What is it with everything? Oh, that's all they put you, on it. You salt and pepper. You know, you know, I swear. I, anyway, I, listen. yes. <laughs> you, yeah, we, we've been talking for an hour. I, we that shit is so no, fast. We haven't gotten to the show yet. <laughs> yeah, listen. <laughs> we need to do this. Yes. For generations, <laughs> white people have been seasoning their food with two <laughs> things. See, these Sunday morning shows, pepper. boy. And I have no idea how that has been successful for y'all, how y'all are still <laughs> for here. For years. For years. Because, oh, clearly, because your numbers are going down. Your mortality rate is going down faster than... You know, you know what? Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? Oh my God! What is up? Back once again is the incredible it's intellect podcast. Shows, in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast off. dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world, and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who like a little bit of seasoning in their food. I am your host, Big O, Mister in the Black himself. But you know, I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of my culinary team. Crush, say what's up, bro. What's good, everybody? No doubt. L, what's going on, bro? Hey man, how you man? You doing all right? Happy Sunday, Happy Sunday to you. To you. Jesus no loves doubt. you. Let's do it. Yes, he does. Yeah, Every sure? day. Yeah. <laughs> That's another conversation. <laughs> but if you're checking this out on YouTube, make sure you finesse that thumbs up button. It goes. Mm. It helps with the algorithm. Let's make that thing happen. Also, go ahead and hit that red subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next incredible episode. Because clearly, 
Hey, yo, pause, pause, pause that, pause that, okay, pause that. And if you really want to become part of the family, can I finish the? Can I finish the intro? I'm just trying to see how finesse sounds in a respectful, you know. If you really want to become part of the family, make sure that you go ahead and come on over to our Patreon. You will not, you will not regret this. This nigga just don't stop. <laughs> just so Listen, I'm practicing, man. Listen, y'all want me to the Patreon. Patreon. Come to the Patreon. Come support your boys, even though we're <laughs> acting, acting a goddamn fool. We appreciate you. Now, I wanted to save this for my what's up, but I, I've, I'm going to call an audible, bro, and use this as my my number one topic for, All right. for, Let's do it. for the show. Um, January 30th, there was a lawsuit presented in uh, Burlington, Vermont, and a uh, a white woman who has an adoptive black child. Um, and this child, I want to make, well, let me, let me run through it real quick. An adoptive black child called the police on her child to uh, essentially teach him a lesson. This kid. Well, Lauren, the ACLU is representing Kathy Austrian. Her lawsuit concerns a May 2021 interaction between police, paramedics, and her then 14-year-old son. The teen, who is black, stole vape pens from a gas station, according to his mother. Court documents show he had a history of behavioral, intellectual, and trauma issues and had recently changed his ADHD medication. Kathy Austrian called police, explained all of this, and wanted them to speak with her son. The boy turned over all but one of the vape pens. According to the lawsuit, officers threatened to arrest him unless he also gave them the last one. Body cam video shows them forcing his hands behind his back. They took the remaining vape pen and can be heard saying, That's the last That's one. The, last one. the teen struggled with the officers, who are shown handcuffing him and forcing him to the floor. When he screamed and contorted himself, paramedics were called in. They're accused of wrapping his head in a bag and determining he was in a state of excited delirium. The ACLU says this is a discredited diagnosis. The EMTs injected the boy with ketamine, an anesthetic often used to induce unconsciousness before taking him to UVM Medical Center. He was released the next day. Kathy Austrian filed an official complaint. The court documents show then-acting BPD Chief John Murad found the incident to be an appropriate use of force. Handcuff him, put a spit bag over his head, and then call the EMTs, who then later showed up to the scene and injected this young man with ketamine. Why is this? Why be is this clear, an issue? Be, be clear. Hold on. I beg your pardon. Right there, they injected him with ketamine. What? The very same thing that was what? injected into Elijah McClain, which that's where I was going with it. Contributed to Elijah McClain's death. The autopsy mm -hmm. reported that Elijah McClain, that was the cause. That was the cause. Death, was, was the ketamine. So this is a 14-year-old child. They put a spit bag over his head, called the MTs, and they later came and injected ketamine. And they tried to bring the mother down and basically say, oh, this is standard practices for people and so on. And as they're going through this interaction, she's explaining that he has special needs. She's explaining that he has ADHD. She's explaining that he's been on these medications and that his medication has been recently changed. She's explaining all of these things to them. And yet and still, we have the incident that we have now. So um, the lawsuit is asking for, of course, un unspecified punitive damages, right. anti-bias training for the police department and the police officers, hmm. and a for an ban in the city from being able to use ketamine on anyone that uh, the police are ultimately need to be called for. Um, I'm 
when I heard the story, bro, like I, I, I felt some sort of way, man. I felt some sort of way. And my initial thoughts was honestly about, and we we get into deep battles about this online. I try not to mm -hmm. engage. Mm -hmm. But the fact of non-black people adopting black people. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard conversation because as much as you may love that child and want to protect and take care of that child, we all are raised in a particular way that for lack of a better description, clouds our views in a lot of things, especially when you come from two different cultures. Yeah, absolutely. You're, and you're not going to tell me where was this? Where was this woman during the George Floyd uprising? You're not going to tell me you don't know what happens when the police probably buying Robin D'Angelo's book in the bookstore. Probably, probably, maybe that could be it. Because you're not going to tell me that you don't know what happens to young black children. Talk less of young black boys when the police are called. And you cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot understate that anytime the police are called in any situation, I don't care what the circumstance is, that is an escalation. of. I want you to step back a little bit and say that the actual threat of calling the police is an act of violence to mm. black folks. It is a it is. egregious and intentional tool used by non-black people as a way of getting black people to adhere, respond, and to fall in line to whatever that non-black person's requirements and requests are at the moment. I want folks to think about what a spit bag is. A spit bag is a mesh bag that is put over a person's head and the bottom of it is sealed mm -hmm. either with a drawstring or with at zip times ties. Mm -hmm. zip ties. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that in the height of being escalated, someone who is already developmentally challenged, living in a space where things have been escalated pre-call to the police with this young child was experiencing in the moment right because it wasn't as if the situation popped off and then moments later the white woman decided to call the police this has probably been something that has been going over over time going through over time yeah. and she in her mind calling the police was the last straw right i've seen environments where non-black people specifically white women use calling the police or the threat of the calling police as a way of getting children to fall in line well i just want you to come by and have a conversation with them just to talk to them to kind of steer them on the right track right that's what all of Scared your straight. good cop Scared programs in schools are based Scared upon straight. they're Scared based upon straight. that very same thing but again, to go back to the, the premise of this, should non-black people adopt black children? I'm not one who's going to take an absolute staunch position of saying no. If they shouldn't, right. But I have a hard time saying fucking yes, right? Because again, the cultural dynamic, the, I'm not even going to say cultural, fuck that. The racial dynamic, the racial differences, the racial biases, the racial understanding, the racial component is huge. White people, particularly white people who are adopting, have decades underneath an American culture that has largely been oppressive to everybody who has ever stepped foot on this land and the land that they have stepped on. 
So that is already ingrained in their mentality. No matter how many anti-racist programs they participate in, no matter how many DEI seminars they have been engaged in, no matter how many books, no matter how many white dicks they then took, they still have this idea and this mentality that is largely oppressive. And you're introducing someone, a young person, who is already in a bad position because they need to be adopted. That in and of itself is an incredibly traumatic experience. While it's often celebrated and viewed as a victory, adoption for the adoptee is viewed as the end of the previous relationships with their original family. That the door is closed, that I will no longer have a relationship with my forgotten mom and dad or the mom and dad who are no longer available to me. That's mm-hmm. a traumatic experience in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, You're bringing yeah. them into a home that probably is not racially sensitive. And on top of that, this young man has some sort of deve- developmental, developmental delays. Yeah. And you mean to tell me you want to call the cops yeah. and then you want to have the audacity, the unmitigated gall to be upset with the police when they show up and do the very same very thing, thing that the motherfuckers have been doing for generations. Forever. Now Forever. you want to be mad. Man, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. you, your mama, your daddy, and everybody else. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That's yeah. the logical thing. On that is the definition yeah. of white tears yeah. going wrong. Yeah, right? yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's 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 white privilege. You know, you know, allowing her ignorance to run rampant, allowing her to think that her sympathy was enough to uh to uh to to make everyone under uh, have understanding for her son. You know, that's that's it's 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 absurd. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and like I said, I mean, part of it also is that she's been culturally lullabied into that whole thought that officer friendly is the and real, you know, is the real months. deal. You know what I mean? Fucking that he's months. he's like, and not to mention, like I said, on other reality to the face. But that's what I'm saying. On, on other occasions, she said, or at least the, the lawsuit alleges that the police have come to the crib and they've gotten, you know, been able to help him figure things out and to try and de-escalate and the whole nine, but. They got the wrong ones that day, bro. Like it was like if you see the pictures, the stills of the in, the incident, man, it, it makes you like I said, it makes you feel some sort of way, man. And I don't want to. I'm I'm of the mind, similarly of the mind that Elgin's already presented. Like I recognize that we have a lot of young black boys and girls that need a home, a forever home. And it's unfortunate that there are not enough black families that are willing to or have the resources to be able to adopt these children. And I don't want to say that white people shouldn't adopt these children, but in the same token, like there, I don't know necessarily if if the dilemma, if the trauma that they are ultimately escaping, if it can be balanced out appropriately after that adoption. Just because of the cultural differences, and I'm just—I guess I'm just—I'm just thinking out loud. I know—I know I sound like a bad guy, but I mean, it's just hard for me to wrap my mind around, bro. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I'm really just trying to understand what what is taking place, man. I, I don't—I think there has to be pieces missing. There has to be something that I am not getting a clear understanding on. Uh, I, I just am really struggling with the idea of 
calling the police. In my home, we have a no police policy that we, under any circumstances, do not call the police. We have a list of up to 15 people. Did you call first? At least eight of the motherfuckers we don't even talk to on a regular basis that you will call before you call the police if there is an emergency in our home. I teach my children that the police do not solve, fix, or remove the issues when they call. They do one thing and one thing only. They escalate, escalate, escalate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for you to be a a mother, a mother whose child got away with stealing the vape pens, and then you call the police, and now you're mad, mm-hmm. and you got a whole bunch of Negroes out in the street who are upset because you, your son, was roughed up by the very people who you invited into the home. Into your home, yeah. She, she believed that the police were peacekeepers. Yeah. yeah, and the people in the community and, and, and who are the organizers yeah. should yeah. be rallying against her to get her whatever racial education she needs so I she imagine. does no longer That's make that ridiculous. damn decision. But somehow, again, I am critiquing my fellow organizers because the issue that many of us organizers have is that we want to demolish, destroy the, the criminal justice system that oftentimes we will get linked up with issues that we should not get involved in. Mm, I can see that. Mm, like this is one of them things that yeah. I don't understand how y'all marching in the street for this. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Tell oh, what you got on deck? <laughs> what you got on deck next, bro? Oh yeah, look. Well, I mean, we might as well just keep on pissing the Negroes off. This is going to be national. <laughs> Piss the Negroes off day. We're going to talk about black history. We're going to talk about the, the commodification of black history, meaning how major corporations, local, big, and small, have been putting an intentional effort to co-opt black history. And not only co-opt it to no longer mean that it's black history, but to monetize it and market it in such a way that it has now become American history. Black Mm -hmm. history from the conception by our great Carter G. Woodson was Negro Appreciation Week, Week, right? It was a week, but it was viewed deeply in the radical revolutionary nature of those in the community who are doing the work to move the diaspora into a healthy, safe place. In no way ever, shape or form, was it called to be corporate commodified Mm -hmm. as it has taken place now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what we see is in this particular article, an older article that we find uh, talking about how Black History Month, the annual commemoration of Black History in the United States that originated with Carter G. Woodson is winding down. I notice if you look across your timeline, you don't see Black History being promoted in the same way that it was previous years. That it doesn't have the same rooted effect as it once did. And this particular author makes this particular quote. Individual achievements are not representation. Hypervisibility is not representation. And so I know we have this conversation often on this particular platform discussing what representation is or isn't. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And the way that we have come to define it, the standard we use is, does it move the diaspora in a positive way from oppression? Does it move the diaspora in a positive direction away from oppression? If that representation does not do that, we could classify it as individualism or something yeah. else. Yeah. When you think of Black History Month now, fellas, what do you see, view, and how do you feel about it? You want to go first, Crush? Um, sure. I mean, you know, what I see now is definitely um, probably the uh, the standard bearer for incremental change. Um, uh, never has been more apparent, um, you know, how pacifying the in true intent of Black History Month can feel like after, you know, being in this country almost now 50 years as a grown Black man. Um, and from year to year, uh, the emphasis, you know, the, you know, there is a, there seems to be a desire to make our presence known, um, but not the truth and the, uh, the depth and the realities of our presence, um, not just on this in this country, um, but on this planet. Um, you know, I see a, a diminishing and even a reductive um, version of what our contributions um, actually are, of what our, our of what you know the scale of our identity is and what it means um, to this uh, to this system, um, as well as this culture. Um, you know, I you know, but I don't expect much. I don't expect that much from uh, you know from 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 media centers and corporations that you know uh, that are desperate to hold to grasp onto any marketing point that will get their profit margins over the edge that year. Um, you know, it's hard to say, you know, what the significance of Black History Month will be um, in the future um, for, black, for black, you know, for, for black people, uh, for, for, for people of color uh, across, this, across this country. Um, it's, it's hard to say, but, you know, with, with other signs that have been coming up, but other, there have been other signs and symbols that, you know, our efforts, um, you know, they want to make our efforts to define and clarify our needs um, even less relevant. Um, I've seen I've seen the signs of that, and it's it's become even more apparent. You know, with the uh, with with this year's you know so called you know, Black History you know celebration. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, you know it's it's, it's the most it's, it's never been more performative than it has been now. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I I don't you know I, I I don't know you know you know what we honestly expected um, after the atmosphere that was created uh, with George Floyd. I mean, maybe the hope was there that you know, a seed would be would, would take root, and maybe it is taking root, but it'll take a lot longer for that to bloom into something tangible for us as Black people to notice and embrace. Mm, mm, um, mm, mm, mm. Uh, we can't embrace that though um, within the caps within the within the capsule of Black History Month. And that's what it is—a capsule that is very convenient um, and easy for white people to digest and put on the shelf when it's over. 
I think that that's part of it though. And I'm glad you said that. I think two things. One, we've allowed ourselves, and I'm not going to leave and lie to you, man. I'm going to keep it hundred percent funky. I try to look in the mirror as often as possible and be introspective of where I am with these types of things. I've fallen into that whole commoditization of Black History Month. One of my favorite parts, at least a few years ago, they've stopped doing it now. And it seemed like they stopped doing it right after George Floyd, which is the odd part. But Nike used to do for a while, Nike used to do something they would have their Black History Month line. So at the very in February, they released like the five top silhouettes, best silhouettes, and they would have, they would give it to a Black designer and that designer would do a Black History Month theme of that silhouette, that sneaker. Mm. And though I used to look forward to February because the designs were dope. They were black designers. Like it was something I oh looked forward gosh, to. I remember I used stuff to like on, this. I would, I'd be oh on top of God. it. I remember right? now. Oh my God. So I remember this. So I'm I I have I am victim to that commoditization of the the celebration or the culture of that. But at the same time I I have had to take a step back and realize that we as black people, rightly or wrongly, are the most inclusive culture in America, hands down, period, full stop. And through that inclusion, we try to allow and accept everyone to be a part of the celebration. And forgetting in that process that we have miscreants among us, that we have ne'er-do-wells among us, that we have people that don't have Traitors. our best interests at our that come into the culture and then will ultimately whitewash the culture or co-opt the culture. We look at that whole Juneteenth celebration that happened in North Carolina. The banners that they posted, they brought in a contractor to help them do, uh, you know, a broadcasting and celebration for Juneteenth. And all of their banners were white people celebrating Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah. Or you come now and you start to see people will be selling these whatever the item is during the course of February and all of a sudden all they need to do is splash some kente pattern on top of the the packaging to get you riled up and say okay yeah this is something that's worth buying because it's February and it's Black History Month and you got to take a step back like Elgin saying and be like okay how does this move the needle does it move the needle and a lot of these things don't they don't but then the question we got to ask ourselves is is there a space for commodity for profiting off of Black History Month? Is there a space for that? No. Is there a way that we is there a way that we can spend resources and sell goods and still have be able no. to hold the moral high ground, for lack of a better description? No. Why do you say that? Expound on that. There's no way that we can actually use, we can't even use our own resources in our community to uplift and create black businesses in our community that are able to provide us with the necessary resources to sustain us on a daily basis, right? We, we don't even have that capability to do it. And not even because of something that we lack is largely because of the oppressive nature of capitalism. It is not feasible. It's not something that we should be even focused on. And, and, and again, this is where the danger that people who are listening are going to fall into the trap of thinking that we're being overly critical and harsh of black people. 
most of your Black History Month events today has some sort of Black capitalist, Black entrepreneurship component to it, right? Where at these particular Black History events, there are abilities and tables for Black people who have attempted to turn their hobbies into a Black business to come and sell the beads that they make in their basement. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. But the bigger issue is here is not just simply the fact that it has been co-opted. It is our complicity in the co-optation and the commodification of this particular holiday, yeah. right? This is not just a black history holiday. It's not just a black American uh, holiday. There's two things that are missing that I think are glaring misses, missing things that are missing within our so-called Black History Month celebrations. For one, we should just get rid of the title Black History Month and call it African Liberation or African something where it is more central, where those across the diaspora will Can fit share in. Into because that is one of the large missing components within African History Month. The connection to the rest is of the, the connection yeah, to the diaspora. The, 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 the also, title literally divorces us from the continent. It can intentionally. The, the when it becomes American black history. From the moment mm -hmm. our history started, the moment we stepped foot here, period. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it also removes for them the mm -hmm. the number of queer and cis head black women who were largely radical and a part of hmm. the African yeah. liberation movement. Yeah, so That's when fair. I have a conversation with my black daughters about what they're learning for Black History Month, what black women are they talking about? You already know the two names. That they're There's talking about. Harriet Tubman and Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. That's that's the end all be all. No, that's nobody it. else. It stops nobody there. Else. They ain't even having a conversation yeah. about Claudette Colvin. Mm. They're no, not they having a conversation about Asada. But Christianity what? told black people to hate our own if they happen to love a certain <laughs> person. Christianity told them to hate them. And because of our oppression we have been conditioned to fall in line and to trust what our oppressor is giving us via education, right? Mm -hmm. we, we haven't created cultures and environments and homes to teach our people to critically analyze what we are ingesting into our mind, bodies, and spirits, right? That's not to say that you stop ingesting those things. It just means now I begin to ask, why am I doing this? What, why, mm -hmm. why am I doing yeah. this? Fair and enough. that's, we do not have enough people. And I wish people would actually sit back and ask themselves within your circle, how many critical thinkers do you actually have in your circle of friends and family? Are you cultivating critical thinkers in your home? People, are your children able to question why things are happening the way they are happening, not just in your home? but in the world. And mm. until we get to that place, and plus also, man, the bigger thing is most black folks are not involved in organizations that are pushing for the upkeep of our community. We're, we're just not. That That is falling off to the wayside. And again, I think that's more to do with capitalism than yeah, it is of our socioeconomics. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not the fact that we lazy and don't want to be involved. You know, it's the it, fact that I got bills to pay and I don't have the time to hard. do it in it's the hard. capacity. Yeah. That hard. propaganda that we have been subject subjugated to. Yeah. In a lot yeah. of ways, technology has enabled capitalism to infect us even more. Us. 
the greatest tool of capitalism since religion. Yeah, social media mm. has definitely been a nice it's, it's been. Uh, distribution tool for that mentality. Yeah. Yes, facts. Yes, facts. Crush, what we got next, man? Go ahead. Well, uh, something uh, just as serious uh, on, on the other end of the diaspora. I came across a very interesting article just in time for today's events, uh, coincidentally, um, where our Native American brothers and sisters mm. um, are calling out Kansas City Chiefs. Um, uh, activist by the name of Rhonda Lovaldo, uh, saying that she's exhausted but refused to slow down for the fourth time in five years, her hometown, and the focus of her decades-long activism against the use of Native American imagery and references in sports in the Super Bowl. And as the Chiefs prepare, uh, so will uh, Ms. Lovato, Lovaldo. She and dozens of other indigenous activists are in Las Vegas to protest and demand the team change its name and digits logo and rituals they say are offensive. Hmm. Now, I'm not entirely sure how long this uh, this uh, this particular battle has been going on. Um, but I, I did have a feeling that it was about it was it was you know in the aftermath of our own town going through a, going through that name change. I was wondering when they were going to get around to the Chiefs. Um, so I was like to see what you guys, being y'all or the sports ball heads, you know, I'm, I'm a music nerd, um, but too. things like this, you know, concern me uh, when anything concerns our brothers and citizens in the diaspora. Um, although this isn't, but it does you know touch within the realm of some intense capitalism and entertainment. Um, but at the expense of the imagery and the dignity um, of a group of people, uh, definitely close to my heart, uh, mm -hmm. um, culturally speaking. Uh, so what do you guys think about, about this particular uh, movement against uh, the Chiefs today? Ooh! Listen, man, I oh, am... on, on a side note, by the way, I'm not a football head, but I've been hearing that the Chiefs are considered the underdog by three and a half points. Okay. Let me say this. I think this, <laughs> since, since the inception of In the Black, mm -hmm. uh, I have gone through a transition in my entertainment and sports support and viewership. Right. I am nowhere near the sport person that I once was where I had the memorabilia. I can name the team. Oh, I can give wow. you stats. Really? I can do all those things. I can count on one hand the number of football games that I have watched in completion in the mm. past two years. Especially since you've been on the show. Mm. Just it's just largely because the more I get an understanding of how capitalism works, right, and the the impact of capitalism on our community, the black community, and its correlation and connection to what we see taking place in the sports industry, a number another way of oppression. I have a real difficult time allowing that to be a contradiction in my life where I support that thing and continue to watch it. So I don't engage on that level anymore at all. I love the fact that the in my indigenous comrades across this stolen land are beginning to speak up louder and louder Absolutely. and getting more and more support about these egregious, openly, overt racist and oppression things such as this football team still being named and associated with chiefs and allowing the Local. same things it, I, I i love the fact that this is taking place yeah. now here's the thing we know nfl in and of itself is a multi-billion dollar industry multi-billion dollar industry 
that is largely ran off of the success and the athleticism and the intellect and the intelligence of black male bodies. We know that. The only way for this to ever stop and to take root and for a change to be to happen would be for those black male bodies to demand and create change. But here's the problem with this. Here's where it's a it's, it's a tricky thing, and it, there's this there's this level of understanding the contradiction. If I am going to be paid millions of dollars to do this particular thing, and it changes the livelihood of not only the the general people in my household, but my extended family, friends, I'm able to cultivating cultivate jobs underneath an oppressive capitalist system. Right, I'm still able to do the thing. It's really hard for me to take, particularly when I'm not politicized, right? That's an important piece, particularly when I'm not politicized because we don't read, beloved, that I'm not there, right? I'm not going to take that stance. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do the thing. If Mahomes came out and said, hey, man, y'all need to change the name to the Chiefs, from the Chiefs to something else, uh, or, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen. And he left it as an open-end statement. Things will begin to, the conversation would take place. I'm not saying it would change (laughs) because even though I'm not going to give that man that much power, but there would be a conversation that would happen. Absolutely. Mm. But again, do we think that this is going to actually take place? I was absolutely blown away and surprised that when the Washington football team was given that name, I was literally surprised. I I wonder if there's a correlation we can draw here. But again, the fascinating part about that is they were able to change the name of the football team. All the while keeping the same racist, misogynistic, horrible culture in management. They changed the name for the Redskins to the football team, but Snyder and all of his flunkies still were doing the same racist, misogynistic, horrible abuses to policies under a different damn name. Well, to be to be fair, oh, I think you, all of those. No, 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 no. It, I think it's a it's a matter of accuracy. It's not a message. Okay, what you're okay, saying is not okay, not okay, what you're saying is the truth. No, what was happening? What was happening is that those. No, 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 never, never that. I've been I've been in this area too long to do that. No, so I what what was happening was that you were seeing that the name change was also an effort to try and distract from what was culturally going on behind the scenes. So that so that's where that's where that was place. Yeah, it was a smokescreen. It was a smokescreen because let's not forget Daniel Snyder's the same person that actually funded the actual quote-unquote research program that say said it, that it. the majority of Indians don't care that the name of the team is the Redskins. That's I mean, that wasn't right. the case because he not only funded the research Ooh. program, but he also gave monies to these tribes before he went there and started asking them these questions. So, hey, for a struggling community where alcoholism is in the 90 percentile where homelessness is in the 80 percentile when uh, undereducated kids is like in the 60 and 70 uh, 70th percentile you got to ask yourself they're going to take the money they're going they're going to take the money all day every day and say what you want them to Unfortunately, say and that's exactly. not the, then that's not to say once again that's not to say that there aren't native americans oh no no because that, there are that, that that are fine with that name we have we have black people in our community that fi- think that Nigger's fine for anybody to say, right? Yeah, so we yeah, were yeah, always yeah. going to find that one. But at the same time, like I By said, the way, it's a folks, matter of accuracy. It's not fine to say, around me. It's not fine to say at all. I'm, and I, and I, black I people, it's not cool to say to say it to white people in the interviews either. It's not cool. 
Gotcha. Yeah, you shouldn't tell white people. Do, to say do, it don't, don't do not say that word around white people. No, no, no. Only that person in the room, then, no, or, or even don't, without don't, that person. Not don't, just don't say it around white people. Not, not, not even that. Nah, the thing, the thing, the, the thing now that we're seeing. Not to diverge too much from the conversation, but the thing now that we're seeing is that we're seeing some of our misguided. I'll say misguided brothers and sisters giving out passes to their white cohorts to be able to say that because, like, to basically that they can say it as though there aren't and there there aren't or won't be any consequences for them saying that. I I think you, you, might get a, you might get a pass. You might get a pass from your home yeah, girl or your home boy for saying it. But hey, act like you know, white pussy is, is sunshine to fall off the planet. I, I, my I'm just guy, like it exfoliates the skin am. or something. Like I don't get it. I don't. <laughs> Now, like it, it cures cancer. It. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, Interesting uh, enough. Like it tastes like grape Kool-Aid or something. Y'all killing me out here. <laughs> um, the grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah, it, and I, 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 I got to mention this also. Uh, apparently, apparently ahead of the 2020 season, the Chiefs did bar fans from wearing hairdresses or face paint referencing or appropriating yes, American culture. Yeah. Um, and uh, however, you know, they just kind of conveniently ignored the logo and the name. But they barred people from wearing hairdresses and and stuff from the games. Um, they even uh, they, they even retired their mascot called War Paint. They had children right onto the field, but yeah, they short of addressing the name and logo. Yeah, but well, you know what's funny? I I think part of that also. Let's keep it hundred percent funky or just for transparency's sake, right? Mm-hmm. We look at the the name Chiefs. Chiefs is not relegated to just Native American culture, right? Not at so all. So that title, so that title by itself, I can it's see the ambiguity that would allow them to 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 have yeah, that. Yeah, the logo is not like the. I I know, but at the same time, like I I see what you mean. I see what you mean, but I think I mean, their argument is that the logo is the dead giveaway. But the 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 logo is an arrowhead, though. An arrowhead is not exclusively but to that, Native but American the, culture. The way the arrowhead, even, even with the arrowhead's design. Allude. I, I dig it. I know. I, I dig it. I dig something it. you would find in an archaeological dig site in America. No, no. I, I, I dig it. But I, I'm just saying that I, that my, my perception is that that that's what gives them the ambiguity, or the, the leeway to be able to do this just song. Dance. It's not. Sure. It's not the same. It's, <laughs> it's not the same thing as like with Cleveland, where they said the Cleveland Indians, and yeah, they, they, they changed that shit. Up. Oh, they, yeah, they changed it. Real, they, changed it. They, they changed it. They changed it. You know what I'm saying? Pretty damn quick, actually. <laughs> Relatively, I mean, they changed it a lot faster than Washington changed theirs too, and without with all the actual fighting and going back and forth. I know, or for years. What or or what I would like to, I won't say what I would like to see, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's a possibility for them to do the same thing that Florida State did with the whole Seminoles. Mm-hmm. You know, to to work to work some sort of that was bad. That was maybe, a bad. One. Maybe not an agreement necessarily, Ooh. because you know, Florida State they actually went out to the Seminole community, the Seminole tribes, and they had this conversation and asked them what it would take for them to be able to use it. Did they feel comfortable in all of these things? Now, how in depth that conversation went, I can't tell you because I wasn't there and I haven't done enough research to be able to give you the background. Right. But I mean, is it possible that they could do the same thing with? Whatever the tribes are that currently are in Kansas, in Kansas City, Missouri, and so on, you know, to for them to be able to be comfortable with them continuing to use the Chiefs logo, maybe if they pay some sort of homage to the Native American tribes that they are clearly pulling this from. I don't know. Hope maybe it's possible. Who knows? All right, right about now is the time we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. Crush, what is up, man? Not much, man. I just want to, you know, let everyone know uh, to, to 
you know, stay strong and stay focused this year. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, starting off more, you know, more rocky with a few things here and there and in the political world, but, um, you know, we, uh, we need to, uh, stay focused and, uh, you know, keep our, our eyes and ears open. Oh, what's up? I want to tell the folks, man, it's okay not to be okay right now. Mm. It's okay mm. to be in a space where you're feeling and recognizing that you're not okay. It's that is absolutely fine. And the reason why I say it's absolutely fine, there's absolutely no way in hell that you can be watching all the things that are unfolding across the world, whether it be here, the Congo, Gaza, Rafa, wherever it may be happening, watching those things and still be okay. You shouldn't be okay. And what you should be trying to do in those moments is figuring out how I can become okay. And if you're looking for an answer, get involved. Figure out a way to support, figure out a way to get the word out, figure out a way to do whatever is necessary to alleviate the oppression that people are facing globally. That's how you become okay. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that, bro. Uh, what's it for me is a little bit more lighthearted, my guy. Uh, <laughs> since we had our last conversation, I've had so many people show up in my personal DMs asking me for cologne recommendations and all sorts of things or whatever. And it's hard to have a conversation with people and tell them that besides picking the correct cologne, that the base of smelling good is you taking a proper bath. It's washing so your ass. Yo. Some people aren't, some people Yo. are not willing to hear that. So I just want to make sure that everyone knows that you can yeah. buy the best of the colognes, but you got to start with the base, and that base means yo, this, that, probably that, that, having that, that, a routine. conversation with my wife, yo. She was like, she was like, like, 10? Um, maybe four or five for you, babe. I don't know about 10. <laughs> 10, 10 is. Ten is where you need to be. This is a serious oh. conversation. <laughs> nah, listen, listen. Tell your tell your wife, tell the missus that you need to have a couple for every season. If there's four seasons, you need to have a couple for every season. So that's what you need. That's what and you, for that's our eight for our poor brethren across the, you know diaspora who cannot and, and afford. You can, no, stop, 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 eight stop. Clones. I don't, I don't want, I don't want where to, I don't want to. From? Listen, um, I don't want to deep that, because that's just that's just my standard. See, okay? We gotta bring your son on. Come on, now. I, I don't I don't want to deviate too much, but I, I wanna I wanna make sure that I'm very clear because no, I know no, some I folks you. I get you. I know some folks will think that because cologne is not cheap, and we've no. already had that conversation before. No, that no, no, no. Sometimes the more expensive of the colognes, there's a reason why it's expensive. Those things are typically the yeah. better product overall, right? Just like women. what It's the single, single <laughs> uh, so, who remain, who for, remain single, apparently. Listen, so there are <laughs> listen, there 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 are clone Sorry, colognes man. that you can purchase. <laughs> clone colognes that you can purchase at a fraction of the cost, or if you're like me, you can go to different websites and you can get what are called I mean, decants. So it's like five milliliters between five, six, whatever milliliters I mean, of a cologne that you want, and you're spending only ten dollars on it. So I mean, those services that send you the joints every few months. I mean, are there oh, you don't have to do it every few months. You don't have to do it any every like few months. That's what I'm saying. So I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying. So if you have, let's just say, for example, you're spending anywhere between ten and fifteen dollars for those little decants that I'm talking right. about, right? Right, right, right? If you've got ten of those, you're not wearing every single one every single day. You're being moderate with your spraying. 
I mean, there's a reason you could spend a hundred dollars and get ten different colognes compared to buying one whole bottle for a hundred dollars. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, so there's ways around it if you if it's something that you're interested in. And tell your wife, yes, ten, ten colognes. Every grown ass man needs to have at least ten. You need a couple for every season, bro. A couple but, for every season. But you just said four seasons. Like, where the two of the colognes come from? That's that that that's that's the spicy and special jokes that you do for the date nights and stuff. You know what I'm saying? That's a oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, oh my Crush, where can folks find you if they want to find you, bro? Man, Nobody's gonna find me. Don't worry. They can find me uh, as usual. Because uh, we attack black people too much. They don't care about us, though. No At the Orange Press, T H E Orange K R U S H or S P Methods, S P N E T H O D S, where you can check out my upcoming releases and a few beats. Hell, if they're if they're brave enough to come looking for you, which where you want them to come looking for you? I wish they would. Though I would love to have a conversation with some of these folks. At Elgin Bailey, you can find me. Twitter Uh, is it Twitter still? I don't know. I haven't been there in so long. It's Uh, Pornhub. I thought you were on that. No, I'm X and XX is where I'm hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) That's an X and XX though, nigga. I got I got got banned from Tasty Black. I was too too spicy over there. Oh lord. Listen, 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 listen. I know, dude, listen, I'm about to tell you something that I know that is going to come across bad. Or oh, I don't give a fuck. Here we go. Over here, so, listen, so you know, your you know, your boy sometimes, you know, he might he might hop up on the hub sometimes, right? And and go given going back to our earlier conversation about commoditizing Black History Month, they've got full on banners. But they got my girl up there, my girl is up there. The banner. <laughs> Everybody, everybody know who we're talking about too. Who do the who do the, the squirting in the drive through? Oh, Miss 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 B Nest. <laughs> oh my God! You called out by name for you. We bet out, nigga. You in trouble. You better be that out. She got nigga, a full bear up on that. Job, my man. God! You know what? You better hold this down with Black History. Bleep that out. Listen, I'm Big O, Mister in the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at mr underscore the Black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black Podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us, and we say thank you, man. We appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. You can always come on over to our website, check out past episodes, and if you really want to be part of the family, you can come on down to our Patreon. You will not regret it. But as always, until next time informed intelligent in the, in the black. black peace peace all right man yo just uh send it.